All right. So today we're going to talk, we're going to do another podcast just because this, this topic is, is something you probably can't cover in one show. And it's really all about valuing. How do you value property in New York? The reason we're doing another show about this is because there's so many things about New York real estate that is unlike the rest of the country. One of the biggest problems I had when I got started around here was I just didn't know how to value property in New York because all the inventory, as Michael would say, is homo- is non-homogenous, which is a fancy word for saying it's different. And you know, I learned all this vocabulary from Michael. I feel like I just get smarter by the minute. <laughs> I look at him and I just start getting smarter. But anyway, I digress. So, Michael, I mean, let's let's focus on like most of our listeners are are in the Hudson Valley, Long Island, or the city. Like that's where pretty much we're getting most of the listens from. Sure, there's people upstate, but even upstate, I'm sure it's kind of similar too, because New York is not a Dallas where like everything just came together in the 70s and then that was it. So. You know, a lot of homes that we look at and buy have been, you know, a lot. Of, I think my typical buy, it was probably 1940 build. If I had to average that's, everything. That's out. the biggest portion of our, of our inventory, but I, I've still, I've bought stuff built in the 1800s and I bought stuff built. I, I just closed on something last week. I don't know if it was built originally, but it was all redone like 20 years ago. So there was stuff done in the 2000s and I bought stuff that was originally built in the 2000s. Yeah. So, yeah, but the big, the biggest push was in the forties and the fifties in, in the New York city area. But because it's so different, it's just not that easy to come up with valuations by us, right? It's much easier in a place, like you said, Dallas, Vegas. Reno. Reno's easy. Yeah. There are a bunch of areas like that. When you get a, a lead in, in our area, what do you do to figure out the valuation? Sure. So it at? depends on where it is, obviously, but let's just say it's in the Hudson Valley because I know that the best. The first thing I'll do before I even go on the MLS is I go on Redfin or Zillow, Redfin and Zillow. And I look at the Redfin estimate and I look at the Zillow estimate and I see how much of a difference there is. Because sometimes there's a, like a 100K difference and sometimes it's like the same thing. So I'll do that. That's the like right off the bat. I try to like in Westchester, you can't really get beds and baths. It's, it's very complicated down there. So let's just say it's in like Orange County. I'll get the beds and the baths. I'll look at the valid, like the appraisals on the two websites. And then I'll go into the tax record and I'll confirm the facts on Redfin and Zillow are the same as the tax record. Because a lot of times they're not like, the tax record will be like a two, one and a half. And then on Redfin, it'll be like two, two. So then I have to make that adjustment for the half bathroom versus the full bathroom. Once I do that, and I know exactly what I'm looking at, and I can see the owner is the person who says they are, whatever, it's an inherited property. I'll start going on Redfin and I'll just look at like just random closed comps that are somewhat near the property. Because Redfin, I think is the best tool if you don't have PropStream or the MLS, because it's got I think it's just a little more user-friendly than Zillow. And I think the data is a slightly ac- more accurate from like co- closed comps. And I'll try to see a few closed comps and, and get a ballpark on what the as-is ARV might be. Usually it's in the fours or the fives. And then at that point, I'll kind of have a general idea on what it's probably worth in decent shape, right? Because I'm, I'm assuming it's like as-is kind of scenario and, and it, the seller depends on which they're telling us, obviously. Then I'll go on the one key MLS. The one key MLS is really good. The mid Hudson MLS is like the worst thing. I it's I don't understand how it's, I know economically why it's around. The guys make like $5 million a year from having it. So I don't blame him, but it's very hard to use that. So I use just use one key, even in Duchess. And I'll look at the active inventory around my subject. I'll look at the pending inventory around my subject. And then once I see that, then I'll go look at the solds and then I'll kind of blend everything together. And as long as I'm comparing ranches to ranches, or ranches to capes, I'll have to make a slight adjustment down if it's if I'm looking at a cape, right? Because I know the ranch is going to be more valuable than a cape because capes are a little quirky sometimes. And at that point, I mean, this is 10 minutes. I can pretty much get a gauge on what the value of the house is. And then I look at the lot too, because like, even though in Orange County, there's not a lot of like subdividing and stuff like that. Like if a property is on like two acres and then all the comps are on like 
a half acre. I, I mean, mine's going to be worth a slight bit more just because some buyers want more land, right? They have more, you know, privacy. And then at that point, I mean, I, I know what the house is probably worth. Like, cause I'll look at usually on the MLS, I'll find like one or two ARV comps that are renovated, like got renovated. And then most of the other comparables are just as is like kind of wholesale novation comps. And then I can kind of see, all right, ARV is 550. Other ones are selling, you know, 510, 520, 500. And now like if the seller's asking 430, we're already in a decent spot. We could take that and we can work. I'm not saying we could pay 430, but you know, we're in the ballpark at least. So here's a quick rule of thumb and then I'll let you go. So there's another big thing that I've learned actually from you. And this isn't a Michael Pinter appreciation podcast because every day is Michael Pinter appreciation. <laughs> what are we kidding here? If there's a six figure spread between the as is value and my purchase price, I can buy every house because I got about 50 grand in soft costs when you take all the commissions and closing costs and lender costs. If I know that the house as is is worth 400 and I can buy it for 300 and I can put it on the market for 400 without having to do really anything more than five or 10 grand, I can buy every house because I can walk away with 40, $50,000. And that's an easy rule of thumb for people in this market. Like if you know the as is value is like whatever, and you can get it for six figures below, assuming it's not a fixer. If it's a big fixer, you can't do this because you're not going to get financing. That is the biggest. And, and usually when I take that like rule of thumb, and if I like try to really reverse engineer my numbers, it ends up being like a little bit less than a hundred grand below the value. So it's kind of funny if you like back all the numbers, if I wanted to look at the lender costs and the broker fees and all that stuff, like closing costs, like transfer tax, like it like usually ends up being like right in that ballpark. But after doing hundreds of properties, I can just kind of look at it and say, all right, like if it's worth four, I can get it for three. We can make money on it. We can make 50. I can probably assign that for 320. That's kind of how I look at, depends on what you're doing. Cause the ARV is probably, you know, 430 at that point. Depends on what the ARV and depends on where, where, where you're buying it. But so I, I have similar, I do similar things, right? So I, my, my CRM, which is resimply, has Melissa data on it. So it's going to give me a number of valuation for every property. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then it's got a Zillow integrated. So it, I, I'm getting Melissa data and Zillow right in my CRM. And then I'll check property stream value too. So my, my staff already knows to check those three values to get an idea of what something's worth. They know if somebody's asking like above all three of those, it's probably too high, but depending on what they say, it, it may, it may become a lead or not, but I'm most of my work is spent on one key, like, like with you. So I'm, I'm doing the same thing. So I'm looking in one area. If I don't know the area, I'm going to look at it as a small map size, small, small area as possible. And if I do know an area, I might look at more because I may know that most of that area is, is similar anyway. I try not to, and by me, I have to look at school districts also because there's a million different school districts and one school district can be a big difference between the other. But I'm also looking for similar style. So ranches to ranches, capes to capes, splits to splits, you know, colonials to colonials. I'm looking for bedroom and bathroom count. And I am looking at what fully renovated properties went into. And then if I find a fully renovated property, I'm looking to see what the investor paid for it. So if I find an REO, which is a bank owned property or a, or a short sale, I'm going to look at that and see what they paid for it. Because that's probably going to tell me what investors are paying for it. Sure. Like, a lot of guys that are out there in active areas, they're, they're, not, they're only doing that, right? All they, if they're assuming they want to wholesale, all they're doing is looking at what investors are paying for it. It's not so easy by us to find that because there's such a long gap between what an investor paid and what, and, and now, right? Because if someone's selling something, it might be a year ago that he paid for it. So I'm not 100% sure that investors are paying for it because other pro, in other parts of the country, investors are turning around properties, you know, in a couple of months. By us, it takes a lot longer. So I'm going to look at what investors paid for it. I'm going to look at what the ARV is. And as you said, I'm going to look at what 
as is properties are going for. I would say if you're paying up to $450,000, $100,000 is a good spread. If you're paying more, you might need a bigger spread because your costs, your costs to buy it, to eventually sell it and to hold it are going to be, could be, could be more than 50 or $60,000. So you might want a bigger spread, but I'm looking at it both ways too. And again, but then you can only look at the as is the wholetailing model. If the property is mortgageable, right? That means a buyer can buy it and get a mortgage without you doing a lot of work to it. So you can't look at something that's been vacant for 10 years or that's been winterized by a bank and say, I, maybe I can wholetail it. Maybe you can wholetail it, but you may need all new plumbing. You made it all new electrical. You don't know because the bank sh shut everything off, you know, two years ago. So ideally, if someone's living there and you've gone to it and you see it and you say this isn't so bad, then that's something that can probably be wholetailed. And the advantage of wholetailing is usually you're going to be able to pay more than a rehabber will if he's going to do major work to it, right? Because he's figuring in a major work. So I bought a lot of properties because I and I wholetailed them. Right? I kept them in fair to almost even poor condition because every single rehabber that saw it and certainly every wholesaler who was going to sell to a rehabber said, you know, this thing needs so much money. I have to pay significantly less. And I came in significantly higher and got deals like that. So, And yeah, made so money. Yeah. And made, and made good money on almost all of them. So we're looking at valuations in the same way. That's what we do. So here's another thing that, that I didn't know when I started, but this is very important is looking on the MLS preferably for days on market, because that's something I really, really, really see a lot of people. They don't understand this. And it's like, if you're a like I flip houses, you flip out, we fix and flip houses. Right. So like if I'm looking at comps from a wholesaler and I see all of the comps have had a days on market that's above 70 days on market, I'm kind of like, oh, I have to take that fact into consideration because if I have to hold a home for almost three months to get a property in contract, I mean, that's going to screw up my numbers a lot because in most of my areas and most of your areas, I mean, we're basically in the same area, the city suburbs, the days on market, if you're priced right, are 14 days or less, right? And if you don't have a home sold or in contract or an accepted offer within 14 days, you didn't price it correctly. And now you're going to be kind of like catching a falling knife. So I see a lot of homeowners, for example, they'll like not take our cash offer and then Brett will follow the property and he'll look afterwards and he'll see that it's listed now for more money than what they told us because they got a quote unquote factor in a commission. And I always tell homeowners, if, if I'm dealing with them, I had this conversation with a lady in Duchess the other day. I said, listen, I know you want 640 for this, but if you put this on the market for 640 and I'm not even a real estate agent, I'm going to tell you right now, this was going to sit and you're not going to be a happy camper. I said, I would list this at 599. And if it's worth 600 or whatever, 599, you'll have multiple and you can select highest and best. But people don't like that. That's the main reason I see DOM be high is like, they don't price it according to the market. They go off their emotions and the realtors, no offense. I have not been a big, big fan of realtors recently. They have no skin in the game and they just don't mind getting their time wasted. Like you're a very good realtor. You tell people the facts. These realtors are just like order takers and they're like, okay, we'll list it at 650. We'll see how it goes. And then it sits for two months and the client's pissed off because it's not worth 650, especially when these 7% right. interest rates going on. So three, I think like 30 days on market is, is pretty normal only because sometimes the attorneys take time to deal sure. their own bullshit. Also on the, on the converse of that, when I find something that was priced really low and, it's, yeah. it's, and it goes on market for two days, it doesn't really indicate to, to me that, that, that the price was accurate. They might have priced it so low and somebody just jumped on it and said, I want to go to the contract right away because they realized that you put it too low. So I've seen a lot of places, sometimes I'll comp some things 
And somebody will go, what about that? And what about that? And I'm like, it was on market for four days. I think they priced it way too low. They could have got another $80,000, right? It goes above asking. So I just had a situation in, in, uh, in Island Park where I thought my, think my price was, was, was okay. And then I saw a lower comp and I look at it and they priced it what I thought was way too low. And it went and it only lasted three days on market and sold 20000 above asking. So I'm sure. like, that's a price. That's a house that could have been priced higher. So you have to look at that for sure. The idea that you said before, which I when I, I do take listings and I find that it's a it's a it's a struggle all, most of the time with homeowners and it's counterintuitive, is that they believe they believe two things that are false. First of all, they believe that if I price a deal low, I'm not going to get as much money, right? The market isn't going to indicate it. And the truth is that the one what I just told you is the indication of somebody who doesn't really know what you're doing. Because you don't have to, t and the second thing is that they believe that if a buyer comes and offers them their asking price or more, they have to accept it. And you absolutely don't. I price things much lower than what I thought I'd get. And people came in at asking and I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for higher. And sometimes it's like, well, why? And I'm like, well, because that's what I'm getting. So, America. So, right, exactly. I'm going sort of going around in circles here, but when you see a property that was priced lower than you think it should have, and it sold for above asking in a very, very short amount of time, you know, under a week or something, that's something that that guy probably should have waited and instead, you know, maybe, you know, I think I can get more. Maybe I mispriced it lower. You'll see, sometimes you'll see deals where they, where there's a price change up, right? They just, they realize they went too low and then they, and they price change up. It, but you don't have to, you can leave the price. I, I believe you price things low. You can just take the higher price and just wait for those and just counter when somebody comes in at, at asking or above, you can say, I, I have higher offers and you can go higher. But as you said, Days on market is important. I, every comp I look at, I look at days on market, right? And if I see something that was on market for an extremely long period of time, I also look at what they originally priced that and what they changed their asking price to. Like if I see something at a price that I think it should have sold at, and then they kept dropping it and dropping it over the course of four months, I may change my mind. You know, I'm like, well, the, maybe there's something here I don't see, but that's going to indicate to me that something was wrong, that that price wasn't good. What we're talking about in coming up with valuations is not an exact science. It's really more of an art. And you have to really look at the whole area and you have to be careful, certainly by me, you got to be careful that you're not taking comps that aren't good comps, right? You sometimes, if it's in a different school district or sometimes if it's in, you know, across some busy street, some things can change. And if That's, you know the area, you have to be very careful. The busy road thing. This is where I see a lot of wholesalers go to die. They send out a deal and they're like, oh yeah, here's a comp. And it's like three miles away and it's across the two highways and next to a fucking outhouse warehouse. And, and you're like, dude, what do you like that? I saw a wholesale deal in upstate in one of these Neanderthal Facebook groups. And I was like, I didn't want to be a dick and comment and be like, bro, what are you talking about? Cause that's not really who I am. But he was trying to sell this deal. And I'm like, it was like in the middle of nowhere upstate. And I'm like, how could you even put something like, it was just so, he said the rehab was $20,000 and this thing looked like a haunted house. Yeah, so you're gonna get a lot of that from wholesalers, obviously. You get a lot uh, of that. Dude. Crazy. Their, their estimate for repairs is absurd, and their estimate for the value is absurd. Um, we, yeah, I stopped giving out those. I stopped giving them out when I put out a wholesale deal. People ask me, and I don't, I don't even tell them. I don't even want to get into it because I don't think those numbers can help me. They can only hurt me. Yeah, they're only gonna bite you in the ass because they're gonna argue no matter what. Right. And what, what another thing I see, and we're really we're getting more off topic now. And I, I for all new wholesalers, do not wholesale a property in the middle of nowhere. If you have a property that is not in or surrounding a city of a population of at least a hundred thousand, you're it's gonna be very hard to find buyers for it. So no I get yeah. I get deals like that all the time because I, of people come to New York and it's in a place in New York that I never even heard of. And I'm like is this near a city? He's like well it's like an hour from Rochester. And I'm like 
yeah, that's not that's not something I should do. And, I, and between you and me, you, you're gonna have a very tough time with this one. It's no just, one's buying that house. Yeah, no. it's hard. I mean, I, if you close on it, and maybe you can sit and wait for one day for cousin of the four people that live in the town to move in, but it's uh, it's not a good plan. You have to operate in areas where it's a city of at least 100,000 or it's near a city of at least 100,000, I feel like. Yeah, that's such a good point. And another thing like New York specific, I see a lot of people now, like they get leads in like Binghamton area, Syracuse, Rochester, like doing a deal up there is the same thing as doing a deal in Cleveland to my not like it's not even remotely close. So sometimes we'll get leads from PPC by accident where you can buy a house in the outskirts of Binghamton for $5,000 and it's in a city, right? Like it's not in the middle of nowhere. And then I'll go on Zillow for valuation and I'll be like, dude, you can buy shitholes for 15. The point is in these cheap areas, and this is, I've never been a big fan of cheap areas because there's really not a lot of money to be made there. If you can see on Zillow, there's properties that are available for $30,000 or less. I would not try to wholesale there because a buyer can just go on Zillow and buy an REO for $30,000 and probably put 60 into it and then rent it out for 1200 a month or whatever. So if you listen to this podcast and you're in the suburbs of New York City, like New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, like that, you want to stick to this area because there are a lot of buyers, retail buyers, people do crazy things to get properties here. Metro areas are where people are want to be. I, I see a lot of people too, they they have different business models and they they go nationwide or they go like very broad with certain cities. And what they'll do is instead of wholesaling these properties in the middle of nowhere, they get the ability to novate them. And I think if you can put something like that on the on the MLS in whatever local area it is, you have a decent shot of selling it because you're really doing a different strategy. But if you're just trying to underwrite deals in like the New York City suburbs, oh, here's another thing too, where wholesalers don't understand this. It's like the age of house. Their subject property will be built in 1900 and then they'll make a claim on the ARV and there's no comps in 1900. And all the other comps are like 1940. 1900 to 1940 is new construction. There's a lot that's happened in that 40 years. A lot right? happened in those 40 years when it comes to yeah. building technology. <laughs> so I see old houses I really don't like to touch unless it's a, at a price that you can't go wrong on where the land is worth whatever. But I see a lot of wholesalers, they have these older properties, especially like a lot of farmhouses in the Hudson Valley. There's no comps. It's very risky. And I, I would also try to stay away from those. If you can, obviously you can't control some of that coming in, but you get a lot of weird ceiling heights in those properties. ceiling heights and weird bedrooms. Bad. Like there was a house that I took a picture on Instagram a couple months ago. It was like a little troll bathroom. And I was like squatting down in the shower. Like I can barely, <laughs> I was like, I'm not even that tall. And like, I can't take a shower in this thing. So the reason we can sell most of our deals is because I don't put stupid information. Like we just wholesaled this property last week in Middletown in a good area, but house is kind of a piece of shit. It's old. We didn't put any information there. It's it's the price, the pictures, the next steps. That's it. And I had all these guys, what's the ARV? What's the ARV? I'm like, do your own research. Do your own research. Like it's, it, it doesn't matter. It's not relevant. And, and it, it does piss off some people, but those are not the people that you want bothering you all the time. Like they need to learn. You need to, you need to educate your buyers that I'm not giving you the numbers. You got to figure out your own numbers. I, I would never, ever ask a wholesaler on a deal that I was thinking about buying, what's the ARV and what's the estimated repairs ever? Because I would never trust them. So why would I even ask him? <laughs> All right. You want to hear me a story of me getting going to lose some money? This is you, you opened up the Pandora. So here's a good example on what not to do. All right. So besides New York, we buy a decent amount of properties in Delaware and Delaware is a pretty small state for them. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a tiny version of New Jersey. It's like a shitty, I'll, I'll just say, say it straight right now. Delaware makes New Jersey look good. And if you're listening in Delaware and I offended you, 
there you fucking go. I hope you <laughs> hope it hurts. Seriously, the people down there, like integrity is not even in the dictionary in Delaware. And it's true. I have enough data to back that Don't up. Don't so, blame all Delawareans on your bed. I blame, it's just all the Neanderthals from the Northeast moved to Delaware and they they conjugate down there like like flies in a fly trap. Anyway, before I really offend the broad people, brush, broken. I'm just saying it, man, that people know. So I got brought a property and this is a mistake valuation wise. And it's still going on. Philadelphia is not far from North Delaware. It's like 30 minutes away. So it's like basically the Philly suburbs. And this property is in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Philadelphia. You'd think on the surface, like, oh, wow, it's in the Philly suburbs. How can you go wrong here? A real estate agent brings me the property. It's listed for sale on the MLS. And it was listed for 160. And he was like, I think the ARV is 220. And I'm like, that's a pretty tight deal. I can't make that work at 160. There's no way I can make a profit. So then I said, I'm offering 140. And he's like, oh, I don't know. And so he made the offer and they came back at like 150. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said 146, best and final. I'm not fucking around. They take the offer of 146. So I ran the numbers. I'm like, this is a tight deal, but the closing costs aren't that bad. We're going to go forward with it. Turns out that the, the comparables on the surface, this is a, a row home. So it's really not that hard to figure. And I did some research. I'm like, all right, these are 220, like in decent shape. Like I'm not too, too doubtful about that. And all, everything is the same. It's like, it looks, this place looks like Whoville. It's in Glen Olden, Pennsylvania. It literally looks like Whoville. Like everything is the same. And I'm like, all right, so we're going to get this property done. We're going to put 25 into it. We're going to cosmetically update it. And then we're going to throw it on the market. And according to the realtor, which my fault, ultimately, it's going to sell in a weekend, multiple offers at 220. Cause I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, all right, you're going to live 25 minutes from Philadelphia in a house that's under $250,000 and it's not in the hood. Like it, it, like the mortgage payments, like 1600 bucks a month. I'm like, that's pretty, that's like, that makes sense. Like that, that's a very affordable property and not in the hood, three bed, two bath or three bed, one bath row home, like two stories with a garage and fully functional AC. So we had a little hiccup with the sewer, which ended up setting us back, which is a different story. So we throw this house on the market uh, about almost two weeks ago, which is embarrassing. Absolutely nothing at 220. And the realtor wanted to go 230. I said, we are not listing this for 230. I said, I, I not a shot, brah, not a shot. We're going at 219. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I call the realtor. I said, what's going on here? Like, how the hell is this not sold? I don't know. It's interesting. We look at all these comparables. Everything around there is selling multiple offers. I'm like, how come, is there a scarlet letter on my house? Like, what's going on? Like, it's got new floors, new kitchen, bathrooms up there. Like, I don't know what's going on. So then we do a price drop. And now we're sitting here, we're at 215, not a single offer, not a lot of activity. It's clearly not worth the price I'm asking. And I learned this from you. Real estate's a function of price. Everything is worth a certain price. So now I have to basically drop the price again. And if we don't have any offers by like midweek, the realtor's going away. He's going bye-bye. And then I'm going to try to sell it on my own or maybe rent it or do a lease. I don't know what I'm going to do. But basically, I was so certain on this property that the easiest part about the deal was going to be selling it. And so far, I'm completely wrong. And this house was not a complicated house. The point is, you could think all the right things and do all your research. And you could be an expert like Michael or me, and you can still be wrong. Does that happen to you before? We you just, you're like scratching your head. Like you don't know what's going on. Yeah, sure. It's happened to me. Yeah. When I price things too high, that's what happens to me. But I, I was, I was thinking like th this is priced perfectly. And then the mark, the mark, here's the point. The marketplace will always be the best teacher ever in any entrepreneurial venture. It doesn't matter what business you're in. The marketplace always tells you if you're right or wrong. 
And I would have bet money that I was right at 220. I thought we were going to have multiple offers. We're going to negotiate really good terms. You know what you should have priced that at? 200. 199. Well, that's probably what we're going to do. But. And what I've, what I found is more so lately than before, but maybe before, and I just wasn't attuned to it and maybe just the market was just going up. So I wasn't, uh, wasn't in touch with it, but. Very often when I price things below a psychological number. So if I had a deal today that I thought was worth 220, I would price it at 199 because Interesting. what I, what I, my thinking would be, there are people looking in this area that were trying to get things under 200,000. They're going to do internet searches for that. And I'm going to provide a deal for them when they find my house and hopefully fall in love with it or their spouse or significant other falls in love with it, then they'll bid it up. But I want to get as many eyeballs into this house as possible. And there are people that want to buy under 200,000. And every single time that I have priced a property below where I thought I could sell it, I've ended up selling it where I could think or more. And every time I priced a property above where I think it's selling, it really it's sold it's below. I've sold it for less than I than I thought I would. So that's a very interesting point because you're absolutely now I'm thinking about that psychologically. Twenty thousand dollars is like purgatory. Like one ninety nine is like below two hundred grand. Two twenty is like well, it's not two fifty, it's not two hundred. So it, it, there's no competitive advantage to that property standing out according to the market. Not, but because I don't know what the number is, it's some crazy high number, like 80% of the people start their search on the internet. They're doing just a search. Let's assume that they're, they or their, they or their uh, realtor that's, that's looking for them is doing a search on the internet. They're not going to see your house if they're only looking for under 200. Once they see it, they might be incredibly pleasantly surprised at what they're getting for the money, or they may be so frustrated from getting outbid and, and missing out on properties for, a long time that they'll bid up to what you want, but you want to be below the psychological round numbers. It's very important. I think. I agree. That's a great point. It's interesting. You're saying that because there's another house where it's in Delaware and it's really worth about 400 in really good shape. And ours is like a step below that. And the realtor wanted to do 400. And I said, no, 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 no. We're going to do 370. We did 52 Robin at 379 right? Because it's really like a 400 house and we're getting over, over 400. And that price point makes sense. Like 379, we wanted to get four and we have, we're getting above four, but that's like, because people in that area in Poughkeepsie are looking for property sub 400 grand. So you see right. one for 380 and renovated. And if you would have priced that at 429, you probably would have sold it for 380. That's right. Yep. That's right. a great point, man. That's I mean, a just think about it. Well, think about it. Like in any given, let's take that area in Poughkeepsie. Somebody that's looking for something over 400 is looking for the best. They see your house. It's probably not the best, right? Unless you've it's done not. everything right. No. They see your house and they go, I buy it, but I'm not paying the full price. But if somebody's looking under $400,000, they probably seen a lot of crappy houses. Your house is going to look a lot better to them. To them, right. one of the couple or maybe somebody goes, I want it, right? I want it. Let's get this one, right? We've been outbid. We've been screwed over. We've been lied to by realtors. We've had this horrible experience. I just want to get in this house. And then you come in, they come in at 399 and you go, I have higher offers. They go, well, what do we need to, where do we need to? That's be? exactly what happened. So that's exactly that's, what, happened. That's what happened. That Glenn Olden house is a scarlet letter because we priced it like dumbasses. I'm, I'm actually, after this podcast, I'm you calling drop that mother ever. <laughs> I'm dropping the thing. Like I'm dropping my drawers, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm mentally prepared. I think my I think at 205, we actually break even, um, but it's not going to sell for 205. It's probably going to sell for 200. So I'm going to have to be ready to take it. Well, when a you price it at 199, maybe you'll get 205. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
with this house, as long as I pay the hard money lender off and I can get most of my money back, I'll be a pig and slop. I know what you mean. I don't even care, dude. It's like mentally I've checked out from this house. I've verbalized that to the realtor. I said, I've mentally checked out of this house. Give me an offer. Like if we had an offer for 189, I'd probably take it at this point just to get this thing off my hands. Uh, Anyway, but that's how you value properties, ladies and gentlemen. You got it. It's not a science. It's an art. the, The best way to learn how to get good at comping is to go out there and comp. It's not to watch a video. 100%. By the way, I, I, I still see people who, don't even learn it in their own market and they sort of outsource it to like a VA. Oh. Like, this is a why would you do that? It's, it's, you, you don't need to talk to anybody. Right. It's you need to know this. You have to know how to comp properties. It's one of the few things you absolutely must know when you get into this business. That's one of the, I, I, I've heard a guru that I won't bring up. Like, I don't know anything about real estate. I'm just going to make all the same love. guru. Right? It doesn't mean you, you can't do that in New York. You're going to get slaughtered because then I mean, you have the $10,000 deposit down and you thought you got a good deal. It's like, you're not, it doesn't work that way. Even in you're Delaware, right. like it took me a while to figure out how, how properties are there. It's, it's not, like I had all this experience, so it gave me a huge advantage. It took me months to figure out what houses are worth. And now I'm still, I know. Figuring, I'm still figuring out El Paso. So I'm working on that. Stuff. Well, what's the median sales price in El Paso? Like 250? No, probably closer to 200. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? That's insanely cheap. How, how do people. There are, pro- there are properties for 50 grand all over the place. That's, cr- that's crazy. I just can't. There's a lot of old stuff there. Like built in the 30s? I don't know. It's it's a it's it's a very very strange area. There's things there that I've never seen before in my life, and that I may never want to see again. How do you do? You have the MLS there. How do you actually run your comps in El Paso? I don't. I have a guy there, but I really should have MLS access. Yeah, I, I need should. to get it in Delaware because it's it it really that's a good MLS down there too. The Bright system or whatever. It's not. We're I think we're at a small disadvantage. We don't have that. Maybe I should have that realtor after we lose some money. Uh, I can see if he'll give me MLS access for five right. bucks a month. I hope so. Anyway, I digress. I hope people got value from this episode. I'm, I'm sure they did because this is really, I don't think a lot of people like talk about valuing houses like this. You have to just do this. You have to, if you, if you're brand new and you're broke, Zillow is free. Redfin is free. PropStream is a hundred bucks a month. I mean, it's a no brainer to get something like, if you have the MLS, it's going to be way better. Spend hours and hours. Just, just like pull up a random property and then pick an, ar- pick an area and learn the area. Learn the area. I just did Elmont, New York. I went to open houses Went to five open houses every Sunday just to learn, talking to realtors. Like, you got to learn. You got to learn a little bit about an area. I don't know what stuff sells for. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's a skill that you'll never forget, too. You, you could take this skill set in any market once you know. I, I think if you can learn how to comp properties in New York, you can basically dominate the nation because it's so much harder here to actually figure out the values. If you take your New York comparing skills and you go out to, you know, I don't know, Kansas City, Missouri, it, it's just so much easier. There's less variables. So, if you Absolutely. got value from today's episode, please review our show online on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and give us a shout out on social media. And, you know, we're, our goal is to be helpful here and to share what we've learned through experience with uh, all the listeners out there in New York and, and beyond. So I hope everyone got value today and we'll see everybody on the next podcast show. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.